The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Nance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, everybody, to a, another episode of Trip Talk. Love to get together with you once a week. And, of course, as a podcast, anytime you please. We're glad to have you riding shotgun as we travel the roads of North America. Today, we're going to be looking at the curiosities of Washington State. We'll get into that with a second-time guest, Harriet Baskus. She'll be with us right after this. Slowly but surely, America is opening up again for business, travel, and new adventures. It's time to fuel your open road dreams and plan that amazing journey along our nation's highways and byways with the inspiration and assistance of American Road magazine. Every issue of American Road offers exciting features, high quality writing and beautiful photography covering a wide range of alluring places just waiting to be discovered by road warriors of all descriptions across America. The gorgeous horizon is wide enough to accommodate your personal vision of the best road trip ever. There has never been a better time to treat yourself or someone special with the gift of a subscription to American Road Magazine. But there's something special going on this season. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com, click the cover photo, and enjoy the online edition of the Spring 2020 issue for free. Welcome back to Trip Talk. Harriet Baskus, so glad to be talking with her again. This lady is the author of several travel books, including Washington Curiosities. She writes about offbeat people, places, and things in various places around the country, and very, very entertainingly when it comes to the Evergreen State. Harriet Baskus has also served as the general manager of several public radio stations, including KBCS in Bellevue, KBOO in Portland, Oregon, and KMUN in Astoria, Oregon, a station she put on the air. Very busy lady. She's also a contributor to USA Today, CNBC, NBC News Travel, Runway Girl Network, and others. Harriet Baskus, here with us for the second time. Harriet, it's a pleasure. Welcome back. Thanks so much for having me back. You're, t- you're very brave. Oh, I am. I'm brave. You're brave. The places that you've been and you go out so intrepidly and you bring back great stories. There's an article online with AAA that we want to get into in a little bit. I would love to hear those stories about these wonderful places you discovered within the borders of Washington State. But before we do that, Harriet, Looking Through Washington Curiosities, a book which is still available on Kindle, and you can get some copies there besides if you want to order them a bit on the used side, but in good shape. You write about the second time you traveled to Washington State. As I recall, it was in a red Volkswagen, and you entered eastern Washington. I think people would love to hear that (laughs) story about what you saw and what you were wondering it might be. Absolutely. So, um, I'm a modern girl, but this was in 1980, and um, my now husband and I were driving across country to move to Portland from Worcester, Massachusetts, and we got to eastern Washington, and this is the fall of 1980, and it was very, to me, I kept saying, it's very dirty and dusty out here. What's with it? They should clean this up, and not till I had actually gotten to 
Portland and met some people, did it dawn on me that that was all the ash from Mount St. Helens, which was just a news story until you actually were in it and saw it. So there were piles of ash everywhere. And they had to explain this to you, as they would to me if I were a newcomer. You'd be going, what in the world is all of this? I can still recall, Harriet, for years afterward. I don't know if you can still get it today. It's been, what, 40 years. But I went to the Space Needle the first time, and I didn't buy it. I looked at it, and I thought it was pretty cute to see these little vials of ash from the eruption of Mount St. Helens. You could actually buy them. If you right. wanted one for yourself, send some to your relatives and friends. You could do that. And for all I know, you still can, though I imagine that is a finite quantity that they marketed. <laughs> well, so. it feels like not finite at all. And you can still get things made out of that ash, soap and glass, things. Yeah, it's totally a souvenir to take home. So it's still out there. Oh, I think that's yes. great. It was amazing. Well, there was a lot of ash in the air, that's for sure. <laughs> Ask anybody living in Portland at the time when noon looked like midnight. Just incredible. Here we are talking about Washington curiosities. You have written an article recently, Harriet, in which you detailed some of these special places unique for visitors to the Evergreen State. You must have your favorites. Please tell us about them. Okay, so for um, for this last article, I tried to choose some places that people could see from their cars because we're not really supposed to go anywhere right now. So it's like you could drive there if they're nearby. So one of my favorite places is in um, Winlock, Washington, Southwest Washington, and it's the world's largest egg. It's a, a statue, I guess, of an egg on a pedestal in the middle of the town. And I love it because it represents a piece of history for that area. Um, and so, if you're curious, like what, why is this egg here, which is how I came to learn about it. Um, Winlock in the early 1920s was the egg capital of the world, they call it. There were so many chicken farms and they would send so many chicks and eggs out from the little railroad depot that it was the egg capital of the world. And now they have still to this day, they don't have the chicken farms, but they have an egg day every year and they have an egg parade and they have an egg queen and her court. And the parade ends at the high school where everybody gets free egg salad sandwiches. Unfortunately, they had to cancel that this year, but I'm sure it'll be back. So you can see a giant egg in the middle of town. I like that one. Giant egg and a nice tradition to go with as yes. circumstances permit. Okay. Yes. What would be another one? Okay. So a lot of these are like big things. So um, here in Seattle, we have the Hat and Boots um, it was the Hatton Boots gas station. It was right a um, little south of downtown in the neighborhood of Georgetown. And in the, I think around the time of the Seattle World's Fair, the idea was that this would be one of like a roadside attraction, a giant cowboy hat and a giant pair of cowboy boots would be the theme of this gas station that was supposed to be at the entrance to a shopping mall. The shopping mall never got built, but the gas station was operating for quite some time. And then about the 1980s, by the time I got here, it was um, unused and disrepair and was going to be taken down. But um, local artists got it saved and they've moved those now to the George to the Oxbow Park in the Georgetown neighborhood. Um, and it's all you can't get gas and you can't go to the bathroom in the in the um, boots. There used to be a men's room and a women's room in the boots. But now it's just architecture, cool architecture inside a little park. Um, and they're beautifully um, restored. So that's the Hatton Boots in Seattle. 
I am very sensitive, having lived in the Seattle area in various towns in Puget Sound for over 20 years, I always appreciated the extent to which people of the region would go out of their way and magically find money. Of course, there's a lot of money flowing through with Boeing, Microsoft, et cetera, in Washington. But not all of that is is dedicated to restoration projects, to saving parts of Seattle's past. Sometimes you'd have to be grassroots about it. And so organically, money would be raised to save various landmarks there. And I'm so glad that's the case. It isn't true always, however. I never got to, and I'm so sorry, you got to go to these places while you have them, folks. I never made it to the Twin Teepees, for example. But that would be, yet again, here another place that was just unique to the area so that you could go to Seattle and see things you wouldn't see anyplace else. Right. And in so many places, Seattle and all around the country, those places that we love and that we think, oh, we'll get there or we'll get back there, they disappear because the land becomes more valuable or the people that were um, caring for them got old and the new people, the, their relatives, you know, would rather do something else. So you're right. You have to go when you can. So. Yes. And when possible, things get moved, as you indicated. Yes. And I'm happy for that. That's a relief because there's so much history involved. You know, I learned some things, a lot of things, actually, going through Washington Curiosities, your wonderful book. I did not know. Now, I lived there over two decades and I didn't know that Seattle is where skywriting was invented. For example, Yeah, so we do have inventions here. I can't point you to a place to go see that, but you can learn a lot about aviation in the Museum of Flight here, which has one of my, I think maybe that will open soon in uh, phase three. I think the museums here open, but the Museum of Flight has one of my favorite curiosities, which is um, one of the um, first uh, rotable certified flying cars. The Museum of Flight is a giant place and there's a teeny tiny flying car um, in the museum. So you could drive this little car down the road, pull your wings behind you, kind of a a little um, carry thing. And then when you needed to fly away, you just put them on the sides of the car and then you could fly. So there's four or five of those that exist, the the prototypes, um, but one of them is in the museum there. Is it true, Harriet, that you could actually, at the Museum of Flight, walk into the early, maybe the earliest version of Air Force One? That's right. Yes, absolutely. Um, And it's funny now because it looks so, it looks a little funky now because airplanes are so fancy or or there's more more features on them. But yes, you had the first one. And um, I think um, uh, Johnson, uh, President Johnson wrote on it. And there's, the last time I visited, I said, what's that little... uh, cabinet therefore and they said oh that was for his cowboy hats a little space just for his cowboy hats oh, and man, his dog really? yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes there's some so real treasures there there are and i think another one of them i believe they kind of you know, divvied them up based on who could afford to bring them in but do they also still have the concord there Yes, they have a Concorde there. Also, looks, you know, again, we think of it as being, it must have been so luxurious, and it's very tiny. And as I understand, when you flew in, it, it was very noisy. But yeah, um, if you have, if you, just to visit it, just to walk up and visit it, it's a very narrow, tiny plane. So yeah, but 
who when else are you going to get inside a Concord? So definitely go see it there. On my budget, I wasn't going to in any other way. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty amazing. And I remember from the early days of the Concord, uh, if it was noisy on the inside, you should live in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. my. Exactly. Incredible stuff there. Well, that is a great place to visit. And then we get to the places like where the Beatles fished out of a window. That's in your book, too, the Edgewater Hotel down on the waterfront. Yeah. So again, uh, around the time of the Seattle World's Fair, I think all these things happened and they were very good with uh, promotion. But yeah, there's a great picture. of It's an iconic picture now when the Beatles came to Seattle. Um, I don't I don't think they were really all fishing out of the same room, but there's a great picture of them um, leaning out the window fishing. You can't fish there anymore. I think at one point they did sell fishing rods in the lobby there, but you can't do that anymore. <laughs> and Nevertheless, they do have memorabilia there, including pictures of other rock groups that stayed there. Once the Beatles had done it, I imagine everybody wanted to get in on the act. Yes, there's there's a story about Frank Zappa, which I don't, you can't talk about on the radio. But yeah, there's some there's lots of imagine that right there <laughs> <laughs> with his mother's of invention. Yes, yes. absolutely. I have actually done one of the things in your book. I thought it was so great that you included this, Harriet, the idea that you can go up to Seattle's, the top of Seattle's tallest building. And in my case, it involved a Christmas, a corporate Christmas party. And when it was time to go to the bathroom, I thought, well, I'm not going into the women's room, that's for sure. And then somebody came out and said, there's nobody in here. Come in, you've got to take a look in here. And so I did, and wow. Yes, yeah, so um, our tallest building, there's a there's a private club up at the top of that building, and um, the women's room has a floor-to-ceiling window right outside one of the stalls, so you can sit and contemplate the world from there. It's very nice, and often men are invited in just for the view. <laughs> exactly. If the coast yeah. is clear, you do it, and I this was at night, so it was a light-studded view. I remember yes. that feeling very special to walk into a restroom under those circumstances. Yeah. That was terrific. But probably since you've been to Seattle, the Space Needle has a, a new view and they've taken out the restaurant, the rotating restaurant. And that floor is now a rotating glass floor. Um, so you can be at the top of the Space Needle and look down from there while it moves. It's a little unnerving for some people, but it's a new feature. And again, the Space Needle should open up again soon. So that's a treat. Yes, hopefully it will. I was in the restaurant. It was a very brief stay. If I got something to drink and a snack, I think that was about it. I don't recall actually having a meal there. I wanted to be there as it rotated. I had heard about that when I was a kid and the Seattle World's Fair had just concluded. And I thought, someday I've got to get there and not intending at the time that uh, I should have the opportunity to move to Seattle. Fortunately, it did happen, and I was able to go to the Space Needle several times. I'm glad that they are doing this update. Now, where they've got, I saw some pictures on the news. It became a national news item. It looks gorgeous. And for those who are afraid of heights, sorry, you're going to have to contend with <laughs> the fact that you're high up there, but they seem to have taken a lot of precautions. Yes, it's very safe, and it used to be in the... In, when they built it in the 60s, they didn't have the construction know-it-all that they or prowess that they have now. And so there was like a, I think they call it a pony wall. So there was a, a, 
an opaque wall um, at the top that you, so you'd had to look over it. And now at the very top, it's all glass and it kind of tilts out so you can lean out and get your picture taken and feel like you're out in the sky. And then the restaurant level is also bonus and you can look straight down from there. So yeah, they really, they spent a lot of um, care. It was actually very exciting to watch them building it because they would bring the big glass pieces up by a crane. Um, they took a lot of care and um, at people who I think haven't been there for 40 years, it's worth it to go back now. I'm sure that it is. And I look forward to the next time I can go to Seattle. I absolutely want to visit there. You know, Harry, it occurs to me that you are one of very few people besides myself and my partner, Suzanne, there who can say that we have visited both Wall Drug in Wall, South Dakota, and Ye Old Curiosity Shop on the waterfront in Seattle. And it's interesting to me, I bring this up as an aside, because Wall Drug, and they make no bones about it, I'm kind of proud of them, they're in Wall, South Dakota, a developer decided that they needed a tourist trap. And he was absolutely unabashed in describing it as one. They wanted people to stop on their way. In South Dakota can be a long drive, lots of rural territory there. And with wall drug you could go there really on on the uh, cusp on the edge as it were of the uh, badlands but you go to wall and they have all of this stuff some people might call it junk other people would call it souvenirs it can become experiential they even have a wonderful replica of a a roaring dinosaur that i saw scare the dickens out of a little kid <laughs> sitting on her mom's shoulder that was uh, i wish i had that on film it's a place that you can visit to have a kind of experience and then when you go out to seattle let's say you drive all the way out there and you go down on the waterfront which everybody should do and you go to Ye Old Curiosity Shop. We've discussed it on the show before, but I wanted to get your take on it, Harriet. Isn't it interesting how, in addition to all the oddities in there, it becomes kind of a cultural treasure trove as well? That's right, because it's like a museum, and there are many things in there which are not for sale, which are just oddities or his or pieces of history, a lot of Native American items, but they also have like two-headed cats and mummies and things like that, which are just wonderful to go see. Um, and then you can buy some souvenirs. But yes, it's part of Seattle's history because that is one of the first um, curiosity shops. It was a store, it was a souvenir store on the waterfront um, for over a hundred years. So it's very much part of the culture of the city. Um, also for people who haven't been in Seattle for a while, the viaduct that, that um, highway that used to be up in the air over downtown right over the waterfront has been taken down and the waterfront is again a, a lovely place to go visit much quieter much nicer now and the old curiosity shop is kind of tucked away around a corner they've had to move it I, I would have liked to see what was in the back rooms when they moved it but um, it's still a wonderful place to to see and it's such a wonderful view from the place where the viaduct used to be. I would travel it now and again. And you know, Harriet, I always found myself looking right, wanting to see the waterfront, wanting, wanting to see Elliott Bay, Coleman Dock, where the ferries are. They come and go. And you can't do that very safely if you intend to be a defensive driver. But now and then, I would yield to the temptation, even for a couple of seconds, to take a look over there. It was breathtaking. You're right. When we would, when we used to drive there, especially when we learned they were going to take it down because it was an earthquake, um, 
problem. And so we would hold our breath and drive there, but we would always have a designated looker. So I'm in the, I'm in the passenger seat. I can look today. Yeah, totally right. I, I love that. Well, that's the job you want. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. And another great place, this is known the world over, Pike Place Market. I have to confess, Harriet, as many different places I saw, and that's a cornucopia, from flying fish to whatnot, when you go to all of these shops, some of them larger, some of them smaller, but so much variety. I can't say that I recall, so I'm sure I never walked into, the Giant Shoe Museum. Tell our listeners yes. about that one. That, I'm so glad you picked that out. That is one of my favorite places. So it's um, it's a museum on a wall. It's kind of like, I keep describing it as like Coney Island. I'm not sure that's the word, but sideshow-ish is what it is. And it's, and it's just in a wall and you put in a quarter or two quarters in these little windows and the little um, curtain opens up and there is a, there's a, unusual or historic giant shoe behind each window so like the um the world's tallest man um robert i can't remember his name um but the world's tallest man one of his shoes is there um there's a giant shoe uh, in the very very old days uh, stores would advertise what they were with a giant thing outside so there's a giant shoe from a cobbler that's behind one of those and there's just really fun things behind and so you can bring a, a pocket full of quarters or just stand there until someone else puts a quarter in but um it's very it's been there uh, since i've come to seattle so it's it's more than 30 years now Speaking more generally, Robert Harriet, Wadlow. I'm sorry, I just remember Robert this. Wadlow. I know once, yes. it, once <laughs> when it's on the tip of your tongue, it wants yes. to come off. That's for sure. Uh, Pike Place Market itself. The last time I was there, as I recall, would have been the summer of 2013. So that's a little while ago. And I have been there for many different types of occasions, including back in the summer of 1988. I heard the Democratic presidential nominee, Michael Dukakis, that year, give a speech. So I was there for a campaign rally. That was an interesting experience uh, in its own right. But it's good for so many different things. It's many experiences in one, including people like say it's the original Starbucks. It's the one that people think of today, though it's not technically the first location for Starbucks. But I'll tell you what, if you go to the Starbucks that is there now, you will see many people standing in line well outside the front door just for a chance to go inside. I'm sure that's still happening. That's still happening. We like to say those are all tourists, but <laughs> but yes. Um, so it's got some of the flavor and the logos and the and the feel of the of the original um, Starbucks. But you're right. I'm glad you mentioned that it was not the actual original one. Um, but there are people who collect um, Starbucks cups from around the world, so you could pick up one there. I've been to this Starbucks, the first quote-unquote Starbucks. And those are some bragging rights, too. I have to admit, when I go to a Starbucks about anywhere, I like to ask the uh, baristas if they've ever been out there, and I have yet to meet one. They say, no, I think that would be really cool to go out there. And a couple of them indicated that they plan to do that because, like it was for me, it becomes kind of a pilgrimage. Yes, yes. But we have some other ones. Uh, can I just mention another like um, landmark that was moved because you Please mentioned do. that before? Sure. So um, out in Zilla towards, towards eastern Washington, um, there's this thing called the Teapot Dome Gas Station. 
And um, it was it's a gas station that was built in the shape of a teapot in the early in 1920. And it, as I understand it, there was a poker game and it's either the person who won or the person who lost. I think it was the person who was lost. They were complaining about the teapot dome gas scandal, which was part of the uh, we're all supposed to learn about in high school, but it was part of the Harding administration. And this person was so mad about it that he decided to build his gas station in the, in the shape of a teapot. And that was, again, a, a landmark, a, des a destination gas station. It was off the side of a highway that's not the main highway anymore. And the town of Zilla, which was nearby, which is three blocks long, um, took got, got a grant and took that teapot dome gas station and took it apart, rebuilt it in the middle of town of Zilla, which is now the gateway to wine country in eastern Washington. And it's just very beautiful. And it's just very lovely that they kept it, again, as, as a landmark, but also a piece of the history of the region. And I really like that. If I'm going south, which I did many times, and when the traffic thins out, you can go fairly fast between Seattle and Portland, past the point when you can just open up the engine. If you go to the town of Longview, it is historic. It has a wonderful character all its own and some very pretty views. What it also has, Harriet, is the Nutty Narrows Bridge. Yes. I have not been on that bridge. <laughs> I'd like to hear about that. Well, you can't go on that bridge. So um, the Seattle area or Tacoma is is famous, especially if you've gone to engineering school. Um, the Tacoma Narrows Bridge was known as Galloping Gertie because after they built it, it in the 1940s, it swayed so much that it eventually fell down. And there's, there's video of it, um, and they use that to teach you how not to build a bridge. Well, after that, in the town of Longview, um, they, there's a park on one side of a, of a highway, a little highway that goes through Longville, Longview, and there's a building, office building on the other side. And people kept looking out their windows and seeing squirrels getting squished. So they decided to make the Nutty Narrows Bridge up in the trees from two sides over the highway so that the squirrels could safely go across from the park to the other side of the street. It's very Having, charming. I love charming and compassionate at the same time. I've fed countless squirrels by hand. And so I'm glad that something like that exists. Yes. I'm always happy to talk to you, Harriet Baskus. If people want to go online and read your latest article there for AAA, please tell them where they can go to find you. Um, so that one is in the AAA journey, Washington's AAA journey, and I'll send you the link so you can put it on your site as well. Um, but I just wrote a story for them of um, 13 roadside attractions that you can visit from your car, Washington and a couple in Idaho. They have a really big um, lumberjack um, statue that you can visit and a B&B &B in the shape of a beagle that's over in Idaho. So, and then I've got a blog stuck at the airport where pretty much everything I write ends up there. Thank you, Harriet Baskus. Time flew once again. Next time, I think I want to talk about museums of yes. the Northwest with you. That will keep us busy for sure. Thanks so much for joining us today, Harriet. Thank you. Have a great weekend. And you as well. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview, in fact, to enjoy the current issue of American Road. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. Mm -hmm.